Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ben and Chris Talk Football. I am Chris. With me, as always, my co-host, Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the NFL. And, Ben, what are you doing Saturday? I'm probably going to watch some college football. You know me. So you're not going to join the alleged representatives from 13 other teams to go watch Colin Kaepernick's private workout? Well, one, I don't represent a team, and two, I am not flying all the way to Atlanta. Although it probably is a little bit warmer than we where we're at. Uh, but, yeah, I, I what I think of this is, is an opportunity for the league to kind of try to get out ahead ahead and, and make it look like they're trying to give him a chance two years later, almost three. Uh, I do think they blackballed him. Uh, somehow they colluded together and blackballed Colin Kaepernick. I personally, the the whole kneeling thing doesn't bother me. I mean, you can do what you want. Some of his other things I didn't agree with, plus I don't think he can clearly state his opinion. I think he's got a lot of other people around him that – feed him answers but as far as football player i mean if he was okay as as he says he's okay with being a backup why haven't you signed a contract yet well yeah i think they're at this point because they just they literally just like a week or two ago settled the lawsuit with eric reed and uh um kaepernick undisclosed amount of course well, of course. We'll never find that out. But I think this is just – it's just to get him out there. Um, he contests that maybe it was too quick because apparently he found out when all of us found out, which is yeah, – Imagine that, right? <laughs> stunning. But I think his conten- contention is that it should be next Tuesday. Uh, he thinks the head coaches and, and GMs will be free next Tuesday. Because the players are usually free on Tuesday. But the coaches have to make game plans. And the GMs are doing scouting and what have you. And prep work and helping uh, the football operations. So they set it for Saturday. Which is where the pro players can, or pro scouts can go to scout. Because you have, you have college scouts and you have pro scouts. So the college scouts are doing what? They're watching the college players on Saturday. Pro scouts scout players around the U.S., around the world, to see if they can add anything to the team. So you would send your pro scouts. Yeah, and to that point, I know he seemed to voice some displeasure on Twitter, he being Colin Kaepernick, yep. about GMs and coaches not going. That's why teams have scouts. Right. Here's people may not realize this, but even the combine, which is the biggest scouting event of the year, a lot of coaches and GMs don't even go to that. There's some that go because they they are so ingrained in it. But I I remember faintly, but I remember uh, Mike Mayock being there last year, his first year as the GM. I don't remember John Gruden being there. But these guys, the GMs and coaches, have so much stuff to do. Right. That. That's why they have people to delegate other responsibilities to. That's why they put people they trust in these positions so they can say, hey, he looked good. Hey, he didn't look good. And I actually, I am not a fan of Colin Kaepernick. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the kneeling situation. It has nothing to do with his opinion. That He has a right to his opinion regardless of how he feels. That's what makes, you know, you know, 
we don't get political on this show, but freedom of speech, whether you like it or not, has to be free for everybody. Right. Uh, but I do think he was blackballed as well because you cannot tell me that when he was putting up the numbers he was putting up before he was out of the league a couple of years ago that he would not have at least been better than the worst backup in the league. Absolutely. By far. And he would be better than some starters. Yeah. Are you going to tell me that like, teams like Denver and uh, Washington that have just cycled through starters, uh, the Browns before they got Baker, and maybe the Browns after Baker, <laughs> but you cannot tell me that he would not have been a better option than Case Keenum? I mean, come on. Something's going on there. And there's no. I don't think it's any you know uh, coincidence that all of a sudden this lawsuit settled and now he has a trial. I bet right. you I was probably a part of the settlement. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing nefarious there. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable. I hey, just find, I just find you, it kind of weird that right, he but, didn't know about it. Yeah, well, you know, whatever that's worth. Right. But, you know, hey, you know, you blackballed me. I won, I won or it was not won, but it was settled. Yeah. And now, oh, I'm going to get a tryout. Right. Okay, so I mean, I could very well have been part of it, and I bet it was. And, you know, whatever. I think he gets signed. So, I can see his side of, well, I don't know. Because usually you script, the pro days, you script what you're going to do, you know, what routes you're going to run, or what routes the receivers are going to run. But the whole thing is scripted by your your team, your, like, group of people. And in the combine, they kind of script it for you, and they hand you a script. It seems like it's going to be a little more like a combine. You have ex head coach Hugh Jackson, who's going to be running the thing. Browns legend. I mean, we could say what we want about what he did in, in with the Cleveland Browns. He was a legit good offensive coordinator. Sure he was, yeah, uh, with Cincinnati. So I think the guy's got enough aptitude for offensive playbooks and offensive schemes. To help, you know, to get him a good script, he seems like a guy who, like Hugh Jackson, seems like a guy who's going to go out there and say, "This is here. This is what you. I think you could do." He's he's been a head, he's been a coach in the league long enough. He's seen a lot of players, and he hasn't he hasn't I don't think really coached this season, so he's probably got some time to to script some stuff together. They're getting wide receivers that are in the Atlanta area that have that played. As recently in the preseason, now I get it's been ten weeks since then, but at least they're not dragging some, you know, thirty-six-year-old, thirty-seven-year-old ex-wide receivers who haven't played in two, three years. You know, like they're not getting Joey Galloway or or um, Jordy Nelson out there. They're they're putting guys who literally just pra- were playing in the preseason, and then they're also throwing in uh, Joe Philbin, who was an ex-head coach, and having him. It doesn't really say what he's doing, but he'll be in attendance. So I think that's that's respectable for what they're doing. And literally when it's done, with the interviews, the the field work, the measurements, and all that, the 32 managers and head coaches are going to have all that information available as soon as it's over. He could do that in a warehouse and, and you know – the middle of nowhere, and like you said, that information would be available to him almost immediately right. because of the nature of technology. Do you? I think this is legitimate. I think he really wants to get back in the league and play. I do too. I really do. And like I said, I've never been his biggest fan, simply because of how he acted 
when he was Mr. Popular and he was the toast of the town and he was the guy everybody was talking about, all of this stuff he's talking about now, he wanted nothing to do with. It wasn't until he felt he was close to getting released when he signed that big contract and he wasn't playing up to those standards. Yeah. That was when all of a sudden all this stuff came out. Now, that doesn't mean it could have been coincidental timing. And I'd say for him to carry it on for so long, it may be how he truly feels. That's not for me to decide. But I think he does get signed by somebody. I think there's a team, you know, we're watching Thursday Night Football right now. Yeah. And we're watching Pittsburgh, and they're just non-existent offense. And, I mean, do you think Colin Kaepernick's better than Mason Rudolph? Yeah. I, I, I think the problem's going to be is it has to be an offense. The head coach, the GM, the scout that they send have to agree that the offense they have, Colin Kaepernick can walk in and just learn the verbiage and just go. Otherwise, sure. otherwise, you're look. This is this is as kind of excuse me, kind of multiple people have said. This is kind of like, well, this is a show for him. This is a show for Colin Kaepernick. So in the off season, if a team wants to assess can they can they can he play, that's where they're going to make their decision. But if you're if you're since uh, not Cincinnati, um, Chicago. That's the one that's like, because you know Cam came out this week and said that he would be interested in being traded to Chicago if he became available, or if the quarterback position came available, which it should, because Mitchell Trubisky sucks. If I'm the Bears, <laughs> I just signed him before they even do the tryout. Honestly, I mean, if I'm the Bears, I I I look at it and say. Is it worth it? And then you have that interview discussion because that's what the key – I think that's what everyone agrees. That's what the key is, is not the the work on the field because he says he's been practicing for three years, working out every day for three years. It's the interview. It's what he's going to tell you and do you believe what he's going to say. Look, if he does what Michael Bennett does or Eric Reed does at this point, I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You're going to be the face of the franchise. If you want that, if you want that glory to be the quarterback, and you want that opportunity to make that money, we need you to be the face of the franchise. We mean being responsible with what you say, how you say it, and being the leader. Otherwise, it's going to be a low, low contract, and he'll be gone like well, that. He's not getting top tier money, anyways. Right. I mean, it's, he's going he's gonna to be on a one-year or remainder of this season, probably a pro-rated prove-it deal. Right. And then whatever happens next season, there's no way he comes out and signs like a four-year, $100 million contract. That's insane. Right. But anyways, we've uh, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll certainly have more on that next week if anything comes of it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time, however. I know we're you know we're slightly past the midway point of the season. We're going into week 11, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's past the halfway point. But I think it'd be a good time to look into our awards oh interesting up up until this point this is who we think so far has earned offensive rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year offensive and defensive players of the year and of course the big one the mvp award absolutely i believe we agree on some of these we chose them separately obviously and we are we do differ on many of them i think there are one or two we may end up the same on but uh the big award at the end uh we have different recipients absolutely so we're just going to, you know, we're going to name them. 
and give a brief explanation as to why. And uh, then if we're right, we can say, told you so. And if we're wrong, you guys can throw it in our face. <laughs> or or we can just ignore it completely and just move on. No, 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 no. We're going to take credit for good calls. we got to take the blame for bad ones. I'm just saying. We're not going to be that kind of show. <laughs> uh, you want me to start? Yeah, I think, uh, what do you want to start? Defensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, we can start Defensive Rookie okay. because it's kind of simple. Who do you have? Uh, I got Den Bush. Yeah, I do too. Uh, he's, unfortunately, if you look at the stats, there's really not much there for rookies. It's a lot of veteran players. So it really only came down to Bush and Bosa. Mm-hmm. But I think Bush is clear away. Most dynamic player. Um, he's impacted the Steelers defense greatly as a rookie. And plus, I'll be honest, uh, you know where he's from? Ohio State. Uh, no, Michigan. Oh, they meant Bosa. No. Oh, Bush. Oh, yeah. Bush is from Michigan. Bosa is uh, from Ohio State. I get the two confused. But, you know, he's my boy from Michigan, so I, I got to make sure I wrap him on the on the, on the list. Plus, he's he's badass. Well, I have no allegiance to any college, so I just chose him because I thought he's the best player. It was a very close call between Devin Bush and Nick Bosa. Bosa is an incredible talent. He can't take over a game. But I just think when you look all around, you know, the the, the tackles, uh, Bush doesn't have the sack numbers that Bosa has. He does have two interceptions, and he has recovered four fumbles. Yep. So he is Johnny on the spot when that ball is out and it comes time to help his team change position on the field. And along with all the tackles and just just being there in, in the right time, right place, right time, I think it's him so far. It may end up being Bosa in the end, but as of right now, I'm going to go with Bush. I agree. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go with the the beast up in the Northwest. That's D.K. Metcalf. You think D.K. Metcalf? Yes, I do. Is the offensive rookie of the year. I do. Kyler Murray on line one. We'd like to have a word with you. Um, I'm going to push the button to ignore because I don't want to talk to him. That's ridiculous. I don't know how. I... The kid's a beast. If it, if it isn't Kyler Murray, then it's Josh Jacobs. I think it's I think it's DK Metcalf. He's a beast. The guy's oh, yeah. pulling we, down. We, we, the guy's we, pulling yeah. down crazy catches every week. He's got. Two, I'll, I'll give you the two fumbles. In uh, there's two games he had a fumble in each that kind of costed him. Um, it didn't cost him so much in this last game because they ended up winning. But I believe it was Dallas. He got a he had a huge fumble. But he's still a beast. The guys. This guy's pulling down receptions. You get, you can't cover the kid in the red zone. He is a beast. All right, he's pulling down. I mean, he's had six receptions the last two weeks. Okay. Before that, he never went over five. Never went over four. I I, I mean I just I'm I mean taking, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm just saying I don't know how he's a beast. I'm taking his catches. I'm taking his impact on the field, not so much his stats. Like I'm not I'm not beholding to the stats. I'm taking. But the impact that's what on the, the that's what the player of the year is. That's. That's not how I see it. I see it as an impact on the field. He is impacting. I think he's pulling coverage away from so, Tyler Lockett so that Lockett can get the numbers. If a wolf thinks he's a giraffe, does that make him a giraffe? Yes. Well, you're ridiculous. You belong in this day and age then. Okay. Well, Kyler Murray, I'm going to go. Now, I'm going to be voice of reason now. Okay, go with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Okay. Put it on a T. There you go. Kyler Murray. Well, I'm I'm sorry if what it is is so obvious, but it's Kyler friggin' Murray, dude. Four hundred, almost four hundred rushing yards. Yep. 
2,600 passing yards. Yep. 12 touchdowns. Oh, you're getting all bitter. No, I'm not being bitter. I'm just – keep going. I mean, the kids – he's made had some nice comebacks, too. I mean, he even that first game against Detroit ended up being a tie. Right. It was a nice comeback. Put up a hell of a fight against San Fran the week before Russell Wilson finally got to him. I mean, I don't know what more this kid can do. And if it isn't him, I don't know how it isn't Josh Jacobs, although Josh Jacobs has not – had much of an impact on the receiving game, not through fault of his own. That's a game plan issue. That could be a Derek Carr issue as well. Well, I mean, I think Oakland in general is a Derek Carr issue. Although he has been better this year. But I think that's in part to guys like Darren Walder and Josh Jacobs. But for my money, it's Kyler Murray. But we'll move on before, you know, the steam from coming out of Ben's ears fills the entire room. <laughs> you do offensive rookie or offense player or defense player? Start with defense. Okay. I'm going with Mika Fitzpatrick. Okay. The, the guy now, – now, I know Devin Bush has played great. He, I think he's the offensive rookie of the year. He's been dynamic. But as soon as Mika Fitzpatrick came in, and that was a huge trade, came in, he changed the defense. He's got five picks since he's been traded mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh. He is an X factor in the passing game. Unfortunately, it's not really helping tonight, but that's more indicative of that god-awful offense and how many players just keep going down in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, the defense can't get off the field. Right. I mean. But if if if, if you had a serviceable offense right now, like Mika Fitzpatrick can play his game. He's got fumble recoveries. He, he had a, a scoop and score a couple weeks ago. He's got five picks. The guy is everywhere on the field. I – he is like, a, I would say he's more of a, a bulkier version, and bulky. I, I say that like lightly, not bulk. Than Troy Palomalu, like Troy was a little slighter than than Fitzpatrick, but he hit it just as hard as Mika. Mm-hmm. But I think he's that dynamic of a, a he's a ball hawking corner slash safety. But I think he's just that dynamic that he's making that much of an impact on the Steelers. As soon as he came in. Cannot deny the fact, the impact he's had on that defense. I mean, that defense did not look good the first few weeks of the season. He came in and he just changed the entire culture with the way he plays. They already had some talent up front with Devin Bush, TJ Watt. Now to have somebody in the secondary on that level also, completely changed the dynamic of that team. So that's a really solid choice. Uh, I went with, call me a homer, I went with Jamie Collins. That's fair. Uh, I mean, 48 tackles, six sacks, three interceptions, an interception return for a touchdown, two forced fumbles, recovered one of those. I mean, every different level he's made an impact on. And every time, you know, the Patriots didn't do so great against Baltimore, granted, but they're still overall the number one defense in football right? because of how dominant they were the first eight weeks. And every time a play was made, it seemed Jamie Collins was right there in the mix. Whether he's making the play or, yeah, or, or he's it, taking right. it, whatever he's 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 got his hands in the cookie jars. Well, like much like Fitzpatrick, you may look at his just his. I mean, the five interceptions is very nice, but you may look at like oh, not a lot of tackles, not a lot of this. But it's where he forces other people away from him, which gives other players a chance to make plays. So he causes right problems even when he's not the one directly contributing to the play. Jamie Collins forces forces quarterbacks to have to look to the outside numbers and who's sitting on the outside numbers for the Patriots, Jason McCourty, 
who's not as good as he used to be, but he's still serviceable. And I will say this, the number one corner in the league, Stephon Gilmore. He has been for a few years now. Like, you have to now look at try to throw at him. And you can't – can you throw it at Stephon Gilmore? No. The man is dominant. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you might get one here or there on him, but you're not going to get a lot. Right. So my offensive – This was was the easiest decision for me. Uh, Offensive player of the year. And it was honestly easy for me. Yeah. Um, It's not the same, though. No, it's not. We have two two very different players. Uh, But I think we can respect each other's choice. Uh, My offensive player of the year – is one Lamar Jackson. Okay. I think I think we we agree on what MVP means and I, and and offensive player. I mean, he just he does everything. I can't I can't deny that the guy does everything. He have there's he is a force on offense as an offensive player, and I can't deny it. I'll say, you see, I disagreed with you on Metcalf because I think it's more about the numbers. He is so dynamic. Just the problems he causes the defense in general, and that gives him the rushing yards. He he changes the entire game around him. So I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't. He forces other teams to have to account for him on every single down. Much like my choice for offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey. Which I can't, I can't really deny. if, If it wasn't for. Uh, the years that some quarterbacks are having, I think would be an easy front runner for MVP. Yeah. I mean, the guy has just, he's been ridiculous. You know, he's getting the ball. You know, I mean, there's some talented receivers in Carolina, but you, they're not able to do what they do unless McCaffrey is there and the defense has to respect McCaffrey. They know McCaffrey's the guy. They know he's getting 25, 30 touches at least per game between rushing and receiving. Right. And they still cannot stop him. He is still the number one running back by quite a bit when you add all the metrics in. I mean, 48 receptions out of the backfield. I think there's only one player that compares running back-wise. Receiving-wise? Receiving, just restricted receiving. It's, It's Kyle Eckler. Austin Eckler? Uh, Austin Eckler. I don't know why. I, th- I was thinking Kyle Allen for some reason in my head. It happens. Um, I think Austin Eckler was the only one receiving-wise that kind of compares. Sure, absolutely. But we don't know what he can do running and receiving in 16 games because now Melvin Gordon's back. But we know what Christian McCaffrey can do, 16 games, running, receiving, everything. I, mean, I know he blocks. The guy yeah, sticks his he- nose in linebackers all the time. So he does everything. 48 receptions, 400 yards. He has three receiving touchdowns, 989 rushing yards, and 11 rushing touchdowns. This guy is the number one receiving back. He's the number one rushing back. He's just he's the best at his position, and I don't even think it's close. I mean, Saquon was comparable last year, but he's disappeared this year for injuries and other reasons. But I think the clear number one, is Christian McCaffrey yep. as far as running backs go. If Minnesota used the running back out of the backfield more in a receiving game, yeah. Dalvin Cook would be right there too. But I haven't really seen don't. I haven't seen Dalvin Cook run the routes. That, Not like McCaffrey. McCaffrey is just unique. And, He's a special player. And Cook has had injury concern like injuries in his first two seasons, which probably um um, resisted his growth in the 
passing game, whereas Christian's just been evolving. He came in with, well, he can run the ball outside the numbers. He can catch the ball out the backfield. The question was, can he run in between the tackles? I think at this point we've proven Christian McCaffrey can do everything. Yeah, and I remember I remember his first couple of games his rookie year. Not impressive from a rushing standpoint. He'd have, he'd have like 13 carries for 12 yards, but then he'd catch eight passes for 110 yards right. and two touchdowns, and it's like, this guy a receiver or a running back? And now he's added that level to his game where he actually is a formidable runner, and this guy's breaking long runs. He's doing everything in every aspect of the game. I mean, you, you, do, you couldn't you ask for more. You do have to give him a pitch count, though. You should. You should. I'm just saying you got you got to give him a pitch count because he is a running back. And if you have a big lead, which isn't likely with a, a young quarterback like, like Kyle Allen, but I mean, no, you're 100 percent right there. You you can't you can't run him out there 35 t- times a game for 16 games and expect him to have anything resembling a decent length career, or but, or be fresh enough for postseason play. Yeah, if you make it there. Yeah. Well, we got the big award. The big one, and we we disagree on this. We do, uh, not not because of any disrespect for the other one's player, but just for our own reasons. Ben, I think it's pretty obvious based on <laughs> what you've been posting and saying recently who yes, your MVP yes. is. I, th- I don't I don't think I really hit it this week, and we kind of discussed this after I posted my uh, a top ten list for MVP. Uh, so I'm gonna hold tight. Uh, Russell Wilson MVP. Uh, the guy has thrown two interceptions. Mm-hmm. So he got over 20 touchdowns. It's impressive. He is dynamic. He is. He runs the ball when he needs to, and yet again he proved this week he either runs out of bounds or he will run, he will slide before he gets hit. Even if he doesn't get the first down, he's going to slide because he knows it's just not worth getting that extra yard or two if it's not in 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 the most clutch situations he won't go for that extra yard or two if it's the third quarter and there's 10 minutes left Mm -hmm. but if it's the overtime and he needs a big run guess what he did it record wise they're not number one but you could argue they're the number one team in the league right now they have all the weapons they need they got a running back who's fully charged ready to go defense is coming around yeah they definitely are definitely are i considered one of their defensive players for defensive player of the year, and it's not. It wasn't Bobby Wagner. Um, really, Bobby Wagner's the one I looked at. I didn't look. I was looking at uh, Sha- uh, Shaquille Griffith. Oh yeah, yeah, the, oh, he, the yeah. Uh, corner. Yep. Um, but I think Russell Wilson's clearly, in my opinion, the MVP at this juncture. Well, I'm gonna disagree as I stated. And when I look at MVP, it's kind of how you apparently looked at Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yep. And its impact on the game and their team. And there's no denying Russell Wilson's impact on his team. And there's no denying how much trouble they would be in if he were not on the field. I just think there's one player who the team literally built the entire offense, game plan, playbook around this player. And if this player was not on the field – the team would suffer tremendously because they built the entire offense around him, and that is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, in my eyes, is the MVP to this point because he is so dynamic 
and he just can do things. He's a video game in real life. Yep. Can do things that no one else can do. I mean, you have to, you, you can know he's running. He can run the design runs and run 20 yards right in your face. And it just, he, it doesn't matter. You, he's just, to this point, no one's figured out how to stop him. Really. I mean, he's had some, you know, some games that weren't great necessarily. But whereas I struggled because I really thought it was McCaffrey and then I really dug into it and what I believe the true meaning of the MVP is. Yeah. I don't think there's any one player performing at a high level who's more valuable to their team than Lamar Jackson. You put Robert Griffin the third in there and try to he's a good athlete, but number one, he's not durable. Right. And you try to give him the same playbook you're giving Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are a seven and nine team. At best. At best. With Lamar, thirteen and three. Fourteen and two. Yeah, I mean they're 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 a uh, with Lamar they're a top two team in the conference. Yeah, and I mean I don't know I don't know what else to say about the kid that hasn't already been said, other than what we have both said: stop taking the big hits. Yeah, learn got, learn, learn from guys like Russell Wilson. Learn from guys like Russell Wilson. Learn to slide a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. You will lengthen your career. You'll be healthier. You know, you're not going to miss games with an injury. Just stop taking the big hits, man, because you have – if you stay healthy, you have a career ahead of you like few have ever seen. Right. You're going to break every quarterback rushing record in the book, probably by like year four or five. I, I mean, mean, he's already – I think he's like the, the 14th leading rusher in the NFL at quarterback. I, I can see him having a career similar to – Randall Cunningham. Okay. Randall was a very mobile quarterback when he was younger, but he had a huge arm. Same as same as Vic. A v- extremely talented, extremely athletic, very mobile, and developed his – I mean, he did have that stint where he wasn't in the league. Uh, but when he came back, he was a little less mobile, but he had more of a passing game to him. Yeah, it's the only thing – yeah, that's the only thing Jackson's got to do is he's got to continue to develop that passing game. And the only way he can do that is if he doesn't take the big hits. Because if he takes the big hits, he's not going to be able to be on the field yeah. to practice and learn how to be a more efficient passer. Because then you're rehabbing. And if you're not, if you're rehabbing, you can't develop your skills. Kind of works hand in hand. So just like. Mahomes, I want him to not take the big hits, especially right now. I think he's at a critical point where he needs to stay healthy. Jackson, just just stay healthy. Just I want the talent on the field. I want the best players on the field. And if you take big hits like that, you're not long. I have to say, I st- it sounds crazy. Yeah. I very nearly chose Patrick Mahomes. Because he missed the last two and a half games before this past weekend. And he still, he is just under 100 rush, hundred passing yards under Russell Wilson. Yep. And he has 18 touchdowns and one interception. He has those kind of numbers, and he's missed two and a half games. And Russell Wilson is leading the league in those categories, by right. the way. Uh, he's not leading in passing yards. He's a, he's a few hundred behind Rivers, I believe. But Rivers but, is just accumulating stats. Yeah, exactly. Rivers isn't competing in any fashion. 
uh, guys like you know Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson are. Yeah. But I mean, I, I went with Lamar like from the reasons I said as far as what he can bring to the table and what he does for the game. But man, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I <laughs> Mahomes will be right there in the end if he stays healthy. We got seven weeks left. Things can change. Yeah, and we'll 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 revisit this. After the end of the regular season, too, and, and we'll look back in these picks and see how they hold up and make appropriate adjustments. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of appropriate adjustments, you know who can't do that? Uh, the, the New York Jets. Yeah, and Adam Gase, the worst coach in the NFL. And and before, it's funny because before before we, we came on, we made the rundown, we discussed what we were going to talk about with the Jets. While we're getting ready... Me being nosy, I like to work on Twitter and see what's going down. It's not really being nosy. It's put out there for everyone yeah. to see. It's, it's, the Jets are the Jets, aren't they? Because it's yet another, yet another incident with a Jets player where the front office, GM, head coach just can't get out of their way. Make the wrong decision. So this week, the CEO came out and in support of Adam Gase, saying we're not going to make a head coaching change next season. He's going to be a head coach next year. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm, I'm already depressed as it is. Now I'm even more depressed. Yeah, it doesn't bring me in a good spirit for the holiday season. And then Sam Darnold comes out and doubles down on it and that they're going to go into OTAs next year and they're going to have – they're going to learn the whole offense and it's going to be – it will be incredible. Well – I mean, if he's not there, then Sam Darnold can just, you know, play for the ghost of Adam Gase. He can. Seeing he can try. Sam Darnold sees. Um, and, but the incident I'm talking about that just happened is Qu- Quincy Anunwa's on IR because he got a neck injury. And from what he says, he's got 50-50 chance he'll ever play again. And that'd scare me if I was him. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure it does. They find him. Why'd they find him? For missing two treatments, two days of treatments. I'm sure he didn't have a good reason, though. No, right? he didn't. He didn't. He only had lunch with his wife, who's a veteran, on Veterans Day. Seems reasonable to me. And then an undisclosed family is- a home issue the next day, which we don't need to get in that business. No, it's that's not his our business. Th- business. Yeah, that's his thing. Yeah. So instead of understanding, because I'm sure the Jets know. His wife is a veteran, so on Veterans Day, and his wife's a veteran, maybe he might want to do something special. Right. I don't know. It's just me. I mean, I would if I were him. Right. But instead of understanding or talking and, you know, coming to understand, hey, because he knows he should have been there. He said it. But to get fined $27,900 for missing two days of treatment, for an injury he's not even sure he'll be able to play again from. Spending time with his family because of important issues, by the way. And this is what we're going to do? This is what the Jets do, yeah. They organ- that organization. I don't know what to say about I, I, we, I don't know what to say about him. We talked about this last week when we were comparing Cincinnati to Miami. I believe it was Cincinnati to Miami. Right. And you said that Miami is a mess, and they're not a good football team right now. But – Brian Flores knows the direction he wants to go. Right. And he knows he knew he had to tear everything down to the ground to build it back up. Right. Whether that works or not remains to be seen. But he knows what he wants to do. The Jets are just they're like a 
boxer in the dark just wildly swinging and hoping they connect with something that makes sense. And very rarely do they connect. I mean, maybe they have a, a stud quarterback, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, when you're stud quarterback, thinks, oh, all we need is our tight end back, which, by the way, he came back for two seconds, and now he's on IR. So I mean, I'll give this. I'll give Sam Darnold this much. He's not Mitchell Trubisky. That's true. So he's got that going for him. But he's still horrible. He he saw he he saw ghosts, and he said it on national television. And he he made a statement before before the Patriots game that if we had our tight end, who's been in the league for one year, we'd be unstoppable. This was after they beat Miami. Right, Miami. This is after they beat uh, Dallas. Yes, and. You know, Dallas, I don't know what 53 men suited up in the Dallas Cowboys uniforms that took the field. Right. Because that was not the Dallas Cowboys on the field. Either they had a brain fart yeah, or, they, or they just didn't, or they disrespected the Jets so much, which I can completely understand. Understand, but you still have to show up and play the game. Right. They're still an NFL, you know, NFL team, albeit barely. Uh, I, I would say normally, this is normally where I would say, okay, the head coach got to go and the GM might have to go. That's not going to resolve it. It's still a Johnson & Johnson problem. Yeah. Because now it's, from it, there. it's way from the top down. Right now it's Christopher Johnson, but his brother Woody Johnson did the same crap. They did... You almost need... And Goodell doesn't have this power, but you almost need Goodell to go in there and say, you no longer have the franchise. You're now destroying an NFL franchise, yeah. which is a a money maker, and b you're in a you're in a city with, believe it or not, they have a loyal fan base. As stunning as that is, they have oh, Jets, a yeah, very loyal yeah. loyal fan base. Well, here's the thing: if you're gonna if you're gonna take people out of out of control of teams for poor management, then Daniel Snyder's first on that list. Well, that's true. That's not that's not even the, the problem. Is that's... is he's he's got so much money? It's Ridiculous, and same with the Johnsons. So do all the owners, right? Now the only way to, the only way to get an owner out is the other owners have to vote him out. And no one's, and then it's that. not going to happen because no, that. no. That's, that's a bad precedent. But and personally, I don't care as a Patriots fan. You can you could continue to be bad for all I care because it's just going to be a joke for the rest of my lifetime. But you need. You I don't know, know about that. I mean, that's that's you know, hopefully for your sake, a long time. I'm just saying, from what I can see. And the Johnson brothers are not old; they're relatively young, for owner's sake. But it's gonna be a while, unless they get real lucky. I just, I just, they, they just, they're just sad. They're a sad organization, and Gase does not belong as a head coach. He proved it last year with Miami, and he's proven it again this year with New York. Adam Gase shouldn't be coaching a Pop Warner team. He, he, that guy couldn't drop a game plan of his life dependent on. You see him up there at the podium after a game, like, oh, woe is me, his head's down. His body language screams, I'm already defeated. Yes. I mean, he has no confidence in himself. He has no confidence in his team. Uh, he makes Matt Nagy look like Bill Belichick. I mean, I, I don't even know. I mean, we can sit here. We could, we could sit here for two hours and just rip down everything that's wrong with that organization from the top down, but... I think we should move on to something a little more fun. Yeah. Let's move on to this week's edition of Banker Tank. 
And as I'm, is tradition. I'm all for moving on to Banker Tank. As is tradition, Ben, you go ahead and enlighten us with your bank quarterback this week. Well, I am going to go with Mr. Deshaun Watson. Solid choice. I understand they're going against Baltimore. I think it's going to be a nice offensive game. Both defenses are going to get shook hard. And Deshaun coming off, I believe they're all, they're coming off a of bye week, actually. I'm not 100% sure. Yes. Uh, but I like where this is going to go. Actually, I think both teams are coming off a of bye. Uh, I think the Ravens were on a bye. No, they played Cincinnati last week. That's right. Well. <laughs> That's right. So they, but, played, they played a bunch of guys dressed in the Bengals uniforms. So, essentially, they did sort of have a bye uh, by the score they put up. It was a more of a scrimmage. <laughs> But I, I believe in Deshaun Watson having a, a great game this week. He's scheduled to get 29.8. I think he can do that no problem. I, I think you're right. I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, well, my my bank is maybe the most bankable quarterback in NFL history. And sorry, Patriot haters, but I'm going with the GOAT. I'm going with the great Tom Brady. He's going against a very suspect Eagle secondary. I know we said that before, and they've had some good games. That's been brought to our attention, and you're absolutely right. They have improved, and they do have their moments. However, I think the way the Patriots' offense runs, they're going to be able to expose that secondary. He's going to have another week with Mohamed Sanu, who was one of the few bright spots in that Baltimore game. Yes. Uh, Edelman's going to be a little bit healthier. He's actually off the injury list for the yeah. first time. Okay, that's great. And hopefully Dorsett's back on the field and the tight ends can figure something out and they may have Nikhil Harry. I mean, this is set up to be – I think it's going to be a classic Brady game. I think this could be another, you know, 250, 300 yards and three touchdowns. It would not shock me at all. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with him. Okay. Running back? Uh, I'm going to go with Tevin Coleman. Yeah, I know. I, I Before I realized uh, – what your banks were? I actually picked Coleman for my bank, but I do adjust. They're facing they're facing the Cardinals. It's not that hard to figure that out. I mean, Cardinals have a nice nice offense. It's great. Uh, they got a really good pass rush. That's all about. That's about all they have is a good pass rush on defense. Um, I think he's just gonna be able to slice them up, and it looks like Burita's now gonna mm-hmm. he's questionable again. So I would say he's probably not gonna play, or he's not gonna be as effective. And Devin Coleman, even if he doesn't get a lot of rushing yards, he'll be coming out of the backfield getting catches. It might never hear Mostert or Jeff Wilson, I mean, taking some carries away, but to- Coleman's going to be the guy. He's going to have a great game. Yep. I hate when I agree with your picks. I like to shoot them down. It's more fun. Yeah. My bank running back is Mr. Nick Chubb. Not doing so well. No, I made that pick. We make the picks before any games occur. Yes, we do. But we're sitting here watching the Steelers-Browns Thursday night game. We have it on in the background. And it's a, it's a weird thing to read off your bank player and list all the reasons he should be doing well as you're watching him bomb on the field. Yes. So my thought process behind this was it's Nick Chubb. He's the core of the offense. He should be the centerpiece. Should as be. I've said time and time again, he should be getting 23, 24 carries. But instead, they're doing all these design plays for Kareem Hunt, and Chubb is getting to run right into the teeth of the defense and not doing well. Oh, look, Kareem Hunt's in again. Awesome. But that's my bank play, and I'm hoping 
Hoping Mr. Chubb can uh, rip off a nice long touchdown run here to redeem me. But that's my pick. And would it, would, it believe, would you believe me if I told you he had 21 carries? No, I'd be shot. I didn't. I'd, I'd be shot to. I didn't think he had more than 10. Kareem is getting more out of the backfield. But wow. Nick Chubb is getting. He's gotten 21 carries. Anyways, who's your receiver? My receiver is. One, Mr. Tyler Boyd, he's, mm. facing, he's facing the Oakland Raiders. Mm. My reason is, is on, on top of all the um, corners that have come and gone with the Raiders, whether it be trade or releases, they actually just lost another corner that was put on IR today. I believe it was today or yesterday that I was looking at. They're back, they're gonna. They're, I just, I just don't see that secondary going to be holding up, even though they're going with a rookie. I get it. I don't. I still don't take their pass rush seriously, um, even though they've had a few games of good pass rushing. It's been a few games, and Tyler Boyd, I think, is going to be the fo- focus. And there's nobody to lock him down. Like normally, you just cover him with your best corner. Maybe cover with. They don't same, have one. But they don't have one. Yeah. And you can't even okay. cover him. There's just. I don't think there's a way. Is he going to have a destructive game? No. But he's projected to get ten points. Yeah, he should do that. I think he's going to be able to get yeah. that, no problem. They have a lot of players that are not going to be playing, and I just I think it's just he's primed to have a decent game against Oakland. I'm going to go with DJ Chark of the Jaguars. Ooh. With Nick Foles coming back, Chark has shown so much with a pretty – Gardner Minshew showed some real bright spots. Yeah. I think he could have a decent future. But Nick Foles is a much more steady pocket passer, more accurate, going to make the smarter throws. And I think a guy like Chark, now that I know what they have with him, is really, really going to excel. And I know the narrative coming into the season was Foles and D.D. Westbrook right. had that connection. And they still may. But Westbrook kind of fell to the wayside a bit when Minshew came in and Chark took over. So I think Chark is going to have a very, very big role in the passing game still with Foles, and uh, I think he has. A, I think he's going to have a great game. You're not concerned at all that maybe early in the game he throws one ball to Chark and Chark makes the wrong read, and then he just goes back to DD, 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 DD all the game long? No. No, first of all, because DD isn't. I hate to say it this way, but he's not talented enough to be the primary guy. No, he's not. And Foles has been there watching the games. It's not like Nick Foles, you know, went into a cryogenic sleep for 10 weeks and all of a sudden woke up and he's like, oh, who do I throw it to now? He's been watching the film. He's been helping Gardner Minshew while he heals. I mean, he, he knows what's going on. He knows okay. He knows who to throw it to. So, I mean, if... I'm if, just... No, it, it's, it's, it's a fair, you know, because there is a, a certain trust there between a quarterback and a receiver. I mean, it's a fair question. I just don't think so. I think Nick Foles is smarter than that. Okay. Well, I really just said that. You did. Huh? You see, you made a compliment about a guy who beat our team two years ago. Well, the way the defense, our defense played two years ago, they deserve to get beat. <laughs> well, well, as you like to say, there, where there's the bright spot, there's always the darkness. And we're going to go with the tank now. All right. Josh Allen, 
Yeah. I, I honestly never thought this season I would pick a tank, a player to be tank against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it seems kind of weird. But I'm picking him against the Miami. I'm, I'm picking him to tank against Miami Dolphins in Miami. I, I'm I'm skeptic on what the Miami Dolphins are doing, but as much as I I'm skeptical, I like what Brian Flores is doing, and I just I'm gonna I'm gonna rest my hope on Brian Flores putting that game plan in to stop Josh Allen. Not to mention, Josh Allen is pretty capable of doing that himself. Yeah, I mean, even when he's had decent games this year, he he's not. He's essentially he's a poor man's Lamar Jackson. <laughs> honestly, he's great value Lamar Jackson. I mean, honestly, like he he'll throw for less yards. He can run, but he can't run like Lamar. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, or he's a good player at the quarterback position. He's a good quarterback slash running back, but. Yeah, he's not nearly as dynamic. And when he runs, instead of Lamar, you know, juking, spin move, trying to get out of the way, uh, Allen's move is to barrel into somebody. Yeah, which... Which, as if you ask Cam Newton, that doesn't spell a recipe for success a lot. And honestly, we give Lamar a lot of flack for taking some hits too, but he takes far fewer hits than guys like Josh Allen, so... No, oh, Josh maybe. Allen, I don't think Josh Allen makes it to his fifth-year option. Maybe Lamar has it more figured out than we think he does. I don't know. Uh, but, running back. Uh, I'm going to read my uh, my tank quarterback first. True. Go ahead of yourself. We you were so excited to share the bad news in your tank running back. I did. I did. That, you know, mine is the guy on the other side of the ball in that Miami-Buffalo game. Oh, yeah. And that is Ryan Fitzpatrick. This guy comes out of nowhere every couple of years, and he has a couple of, seemingly every year, a couple of good games, and then he just disappears. It's about time for Ryan Fitzpatrick to disappear against a pretty solid Buffalo defense. And I think they're going to act like that offense is better than they are, and they're going to make some mistakes. And... Fitzpatrick could make me regret this decision in garbage time because he could end up having like 90 passing yards until eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. And then throw a couple of bombs and all of a sudden, oh, well, your bank picks a bust, Chris. Yep, but that, that happens too many times. But I'm going to I'm gonna run with it because we got to choose somebody. Yep. I'm going to go Fitzpatrick. Now you're running back. Now my running back. I'm going to go with Jordan Howard running back in, with Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, now, is that because they're playing the Patriots or because Miles Sanders have a bigger role? I think because they're playing the Patriots. Okay. I think if there's something Bill's going to do to his defense, he is going to shake that cage because essentially for two straight weeks they got ran on. Yeah. Uh, and he would instill that in him that even if, if they didn't get those fumbles by Nick Chubb and get those turnovers in key points of the game, they could be staring at a two-game two losing streak. And that's not something Bill's going to take it lightly. And I think he instilled in them that you better stop the run this week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I think I, – I thought about Sanders. I, I even thought about doubling down and saying both of them would tank. But I stepped back for a second thinking 
No, I think Sanders might get some good yardage in the passing game. Yeah, he should, yeah. So I'm just going to stick with Jordan Howard. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette for my tank oh. running back. Oh. Uh, he's had some real bright spots this year, and then he's had games where he just disappeared. That's true. And the Colts, for whatever it's worth, are pretty decent against the run. And Fournette's more of a power runner. Yeah, he is. And you don't necessarily see power runners succeeding against or getting – maybe not succeeding is not the right word. You don't see them getting big numbers yeah. against teams that are decent against the run because they're not going to break that long run out of nowhere when you know their their strength is going against the bad teams and getting into that second level by just breaking through the line. Yeah, probably not going to do that a whole lot against the Colts. I mean, they're not you know defensive juggernauts by any means, but they're a solid defense, and he has a tendency to just disappear. And if they do fall behind which I think they will in that game with Brissett coming back. It's not it doesn't make the game plan does not set up for a good Leonard Fournette day. Okay. Um receiver tank and I, I hate to say this uh Juju Smith Schuster and unfortunately this is like it's actually going to be fruition because he left the game early tonight. Yeah, unfortunately. With a concussion, so I do feel Slightly bad at this point, but you picked, you picked this. Before I the picked game this out, way but. before the game came out. I picked this yesterday, so I'm 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 gonna stick with it. And unfortunately, I just thought that because Greedy Williams is playing pretty good as a corner, despite what Troy Aikman said tonight, he, he's not you know he's not a great corner. He's played pretty good, and you got Denzel Ward on the other side. A nice front four. It just doesn't spell well for Mason Rudolph as it's been portraying on TV right now uh, that Juju was going to have a good game. Even if he even if he stayed in the game, I just didn't think he was going to have a good game. No. No. You see, he hasn't been having good games, even when he's totally healthy, playing majority he's had of the snaps. like one, maybe two good games this year, but... Yeah, he nothing needs, like last year. He needs a he needs a guy on the other side is what he needs. Last year he was a game changer, and this year he's wide receiver. Three but there's too best. many there's too many factors. Yeah, at this point, to say what exactly it was. My tank receiver is Chris Godwin of the Buccaneers. Nothing against Chris Godwin. I think he's a great player. I just think Tampa Bay's offense is so inconsistent. It's like. Jameis will forget he has two talented receivers and good tight ends, and he'll just pick one person to throw to. And that person's been Mike Evans recently, and it should be Mike Evans because he's the best receiver on the field. But Godwin's close. Godwin's a, a tremendously talented guy. He is. But few people are Mike Evans. And I think it's going to be a shootout with the Saints. And you're – you're just – I just see this being a game where Jameis hooks up with Evans on like three or four really big passes, gets him a couple of touchdowns, and it'll be one of those where Godwin gets like six catches for 70 yards, which is fine, but people who have Chris Godwin for a few weeks there were getting accustomed to him kind of carrying a receiver position, and he's not going to do that this week. Can he, can he do it for one more week so I don't have to deal with Evans? 
I mean, because I, I don't want Evans to get anything. I want him to get zero. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. I'm, I'm, I'm so hoping he gets the defenses he plays, but that's, I, not, that's I have, probably not going to happen. I have ulterior motives on this, but I don't want him to get any points. Unbiased analysis, Ben, is what we offer. Unbiased analysis most I'm of the time. Mentioning Unless we're talking about the Jets. True. All right, from Banker Tank to Game of the Week, who you got? Game of the Week. Well, you just talked about him. I'm taking the Saints at the Buccaneers. All right. And I think, to your point, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to come down to, I think the Saints are going to put up more points, but it will be a shootout. And I will say that the Saints are going to win 34 to 20. 34 to 20. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with, I mean, what I think could end up being one of the games of the year. The Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. That's a bold statement. You have Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. I mean, I just, I thought I was excited for the Seattle and San Fran game last week. As a fan, I hope this is a one o'clock start. That way I can actually just watch the entire game because those, you're not going to have a dull moment with those two guys under center. You're just not going to have a dull moment. And I mean, yeah, it is a one o'clock game. Okay. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, you had to wonder, I mean, I can't even begin to guess what this final score is going to be because I mean, both teams are good on defense, but not yeah. stellar. Both offenses can really move the ball. Yeah. I could honestly see this being like, I want to say, like a 42 to 39 final. Wow. Something like that. I mean, I, I think it'll come down to the last drive. And I think one of these, one of these two incredibly talented quarterbacks is going to cement the legacy of their short-lived careers even more. Let me ask you a question. Uh, I know we're pressed for time, but let me ask you. It's a 1 o'clock game. You have an option between Red Zone and watching Houston-Baltimore. Which one are you watching? I'm watching Houston-Baltimore and switching to Red Zone, whatever it's on commercial, but switching right back. Fair enough. I mean, because that's going to be – like I said, with, with Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson on the field, there's not going to be a dull moment. Yeah, I, I – this is this is gonna be a game that's because it's it's got playoff implications, seating yeah, yeah, implications, division talk, standing implications, everything. I mean, it, and and you got two, I would say upper tier quarterbacks in this game that hopefully they stay healthy. But I think it's gonna be a very exciting game. I agree. I think Houston wins. Wow. And a very, very good, competitive, and fun game. In I Baltimore. Houston barely pulls it out. In Baltimore. In Baltimore. Ooh, that is a statement. It, it'll, be, it'll be a statement win. Does that put does – that, does that propel Houston to, say, the number two seed? Like, not not actual seeding-wise, but, like, if, if in your power rankings. Would that propel them to a two seed or even – Dare I say, the one seed. 
I mean, we'll find out because they're going to play the Patriots too later in the season. True. So, I mean, you'll you'll know. I mean, you know, Baltimore beat the Patriots. Now, if <laughs> Baltimore beats the Patriots, and if, now if the Texans beat Baltimore, and then the Patriots beat the Texans, it's like you have this three way dance of these these three incredibly talented teams, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It is. I think the, the AFC playoff picture is. I don't want to say as wide open as it's been in years, but man, it's gonna be some fun playoff matchups. Because even teams that don't have the, the best records in the world have a lot of talent and can really give these other these these top tier teams. Oh, absolutely! Uh, you know, the run for their money. I think no matter what top six teams you get in each conference, it's going to be good. It's going to be good football. Absolutely. Uh, if we get the right match, if we get the right matchups, especially in the AFC or NFC, we get the right matchups. In the divisional rounds, oh, it could be good stuff. It'd be good stuff. I like where it's trending. It is a good time to be a football fan. It is. And yeah. with that, we're going to wrap it up. That's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. And Ben, how can you get a hold of us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's uh, Ben and Chris. Ben Chris Talk F O One. You can hit us up on Facebook. Facebook backslash Ben and Chris Talk Football. And on Instagram, we have videos going up one or two a week. Some weeks are more, some weeks are less. And you can get us at Ben underscore Chris Talk Football. Thank you very much, guys. Good luck this weekend. Thank you.